0: Like in any retreat, it's uh, essential that we be brutally honest w- with ourselves, with God, and in spiritual direction. We've come here to this retreat not just to go through the motions, just to do a standard retreat. We've come here to open our soul like when you open a book it's a, you open the book there's good chapters and there's bad chapters so now let us imagine opening that book imagine now your worst sin your hidden sin your most uh, embarrassing weakness could be something you did a long time ago way back then Or something that you're struggling on right now. So imagine this secret. It's a humiliating fault. This fault is suddenly made public. It's like the leak, right? Uh, From the Supreme Court. It's suddenly made public and everybody knows about it. Your family knows about it. Your friends know about it. Your co-workers know about it. Your neighbors know about it. Girls in residence know about it. The priest knows about it. So how do you feel? Well, you you feel ashamed. You feel angry. Ashamed of what you did. Ashamed that you gave into temptation. You're afraid of what others think about you now. You're afraid of what... What's going to happen to you now? Now that everybody knows? Okay, so imagine that's your situation. Now, imagine that Jesus appears to you. Like he did appear to St. Faustina in his great luminosity. He appears to you. He's there, standing right in front of you. He looks at you straight in the eye and he confronts you. He says, I know what you did. But instead of coming to point his finger at you and condemning you, he gives you a way way out. A way to start all over again. This is what a retreat involves. In some way, it's Jesus appearing to you through faith, and hearing that invitation for your life, for my life, for our life—it's a way to begin again. A retreat is not just like an information session. You know, it's—you learn a few things. Uh, you can put a four or five-star review on it uh, if you want, and it's not just information. It's not just informative. As Pope Benedict used to say, it's performative. It performs something within you. It changes something within you. But picture him saying to you now, I know what you did. I know what you're doing now. But I still love you. I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Where have you heard that phrase? Go and do not sin again. Go and sin no more. Those are the words of our Lord directed to the woman who is caught in adultery. Chapter, chapter 8 of St. John. We can picture her being thrown into the courtyard in front of the temple. All these angry men throwing her down in front of our Lord. She was caught flagrantly in adultery. We can imagine the scene now. Crowds begin to gather. These men, these scribes, these Pharisees, these priests. We can imagine the pain of Jesus at seeing the suffering of this poor woman. And also at the real blindness of these men. They're just hard-heartedness. They didn't really care, but they, they just wanted to use her as a way of getting to him. One of them said, Moses in the law ordered us to stone a woman like this. What do you say? Moses ordered us to stone a woman like that. But we know that they're not really interested in the answer as such. They're kind of like using the laws of God They want a justification for their own personal sentence that has already been dictated. That's why why they're not able to understand the first gesture that is so full of eloquence, so full of dignity that the Lord offers them in front of that question. The Gospel says, Jesus stooped down And began to write with his finger in the ground. Stoops down. I think that stooping down, that crouching in the ground, his finger in the ground, would have been silent and lasted quite a while. And all the men were staring at him. But he got up. He stands up and he clearly tells them, let the one who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone. And then he bends down again and writes in the ground again. Of course, we know that the men started dropping their stones one by one. They left But it is in this passage that we see that Jesus, uh, although he stands up right, to speak publicly, when he wants to write something that responds personally to the life of that woman, because she was on the ground, he gets on the ground, he crouches. When he wants to respond to her, he bends over to the ground, comes close to her like that. That's usually the way he communicates. With us, crouched down, kind of hidden, kind of hiding his divinity in these, these uh, discreet actions, small gestures of everyday life. We find it sometimes difficult to value what is written on the ground, what is written on the earth, the ground of our life. What the Lord has written there in our day-to-day studies, uh, working at our desk, that's the ground in which the Lord speaks to us. The ground of our life. On those numerous occasions, we're not always able to recognize Him there. His text goes so unnoticed that the evangelist, St. John, doesn't even tell us what he wrote. He just wrote on the ground, but he doesn't say, well, he wrote, uh, you know, he didn't say, go leaves go. I mean, he, what did he write? I don't know. Nobody knows. He appears there on the scene in the same way that he appears in our lives. But he doesn't, like, want to impose his presence. He doesn't want to impose his opinion. He doesn't even want to specify in an unquestionable way the correct interpretation of the law of Moses as they had requested. Pope Francis says Jesus did not change history by constraining someone or by force of words but with the gift of his life. He did not wait for us to be good to love us but he gave himself to us freely and holiness is nothing more than safeguarding this gratuitousness he didn't wait for us to be good in order to love us he loved us already and so in some way during a retreat we have to, we have to see how we can embrace that forgiveness embrace the writing on the ground and of course, one fundamental way that, that is, of course, unquestionably fundamental in a retreat is through prayer. So that we can really read the message that He has for us on the ground, that hidden message that He crouches down for us. And the only way is to turn to God, kind of capture the radar signals. Uh, You know, the rays of his, of his loving gaze. And this we have to do here, right here, with our Lord here present in the Blessed Sacrament. We have to be quiet, we have to be silent, just in the oratory, or we can be done walking around as well. But you all know what Mother Teresa of Calcutta, canonized a few years ago by Pope John Paul II. She spoke about this to her nuns, Sisters of Charity it was late in her life, and one urgent concern she had for her sisters uh, was that many of them had not allowed themselves to, uh, sort of to truly encounter Jesus' love for them. Now, these are nuns who live pretty extreme poverty. They, they're very resilient. Uh, they're very dedicated. You know, to the poorest of the poor. They they live pretty. You know sort of harsh lives they've given up everything for Jesus and, uh, and she was quite um, kind of pleading with them imagine what she would have said to us she said I worry some of you still have not really met Jesus one to one You and Jesus alone. We may spend time in the chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul how he looks at you with love? Do you really know the living Jesus? Not from books, but from being with him in your heart? Have you heard the living words he speaks to you? Ask for the grace, she said. He is looking to give it. Never give up this daily intimate contact with Jesus as a real living person. Not just an idea. Not just an idea. She says, be careful of all that can block that personal being in touch with the living Jesus. The hurts of life, and sometimes your own mistakes. These may make you feel, it is impossible that Jesus really loves you. He's really clinging to you. This is a danger for all of you. And so bad, because it is completely opposite of what Jesus is really wanting, wanting and waiting to tell you. Not only he loves you even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you, she says. He loves you always, and and when you don't feel worthy, he loves you. Even if you're not accepted by others, even by yourselves sometimes, he is the one who always accepts you. My children, she says, you don't have to be different for Jesus to love you. Only believe you are precious to him. Bring all your suffering to his feet. Only open your heart to be loved by him as you are. He will do the rest. Well, that's what we have to do during this retreat. Let him do the rest. And we do that by learning, really, the art of prayer. Because... That art of prayer will allow us, allow us to see Him so we don't have that sense of exasperation, the stress, the preoccupation, the anxiety. So we have to learn. We ask the Lord here now for that grace to learn the art of prayer. That's what we have to do. Learn the art of prayer. This is, you come to university, you learn many things. You learn from your friends, you learn from your professors, you learn calculus, you learn how to write code, you learn how to drive standard. If you learned, I don't know if you have learned that yet. Come here to Kingter. you can learn to play the, play the piano. You can learn how to fillet a fish. Probably learn to make a, a, a smoothie, I don't know. It's very exciting to learn all these things. It just takes practice. But there's one fundamental thing that we have to all learn as sons and daughters of God, is to learn to pray. We have to learn that. It just has to be learned. And be ready to learn this art, ever new and ever ancient. It's not like reading a book once, or even learning a trade. It's something much more. But like anything we learn, it just takes time. It's just time and it takes a special effort, but it's worthwhile. It's the greatest art for us to learn. It's not just a technique, but it's kind of like the art of receiving this grace from the Holy Spirit who can act in us. Jacques Philippe says that it's not just a question of applying rules or techniques. It's much more about learning how to receive Learning how to receive is really what it's all about. And once we learn that, it's a source of infinite riches. Infinite riches. It transforms us from within. It sanctifies us. It heals us. It it heals us to know and to love God. That's what the love that's what prayer is. It heals. It makes us fervent, it makes us generous, in love with our neighbor, in love with God. So provided we persevere in this when we commit ourselves to a life of prayer we can be absolutely sure that we will receive all this and more this healing Mm balm St. Josemiro wrote in the way you write to pray is to talk with God but about what? That's the, like a letter that he received, right? He would comment the letter. To pray is to talk about God, to, to talk with God, but about what? About what? About Him, about yourself, joys, sorrows, successes and failures, noble ambitions, daily worries, weaknesses, and acts of thanksgiving, and petition, and love, and reparation, in a word, to get to know Him, and to get to know yourself, to get to Acquainted. Although I'm not sure what the Spanish is here, I don't think uh, to get acquainted does justice to what he to what he implies here. If you if you know weaknesses and uh, failures and noble ambitions and joys and sorrows, it's much more than getting acquainted. Acquaint an acquaintance suggests something rather superficial. But when Saint Jose was speaking about that. He was teaching them to get to know our Lord, which he himself had gotten to know when he conversed with the Lord in the chapel of St. Carlos in Saragossa. That was in the chapel of the seminary where he was. He had spent hours there asking God, discerning. He had those noble ambitions, which he wasn't clear about what God wanted of him. He was was just like a young seminarian, and for that, we, you know, for, for, for us to conjure up noble ambitions, it's a beautiful expression, noble ambitions, right? Daily worries, weaknesses, dreams. One thing we need is silence. For us to talk, tap into those noble ambitions, we need this inner silence. Otherwise, it's like YouTube will come in and drown everything out. Asking us for a like, or Twitter for a retweet. I heard a, about a guy. In uh, he heard about a, a special room called the silent room built by a professor in Minnesota, and he wanted to experience. He he said it was apparently the quietest room in the world, and it's you know made with all this. I don't know how you describe it it's got all these looks like velvet or I don't know what it is but it's got all these bizarre structures inside you know like these cones coming out from the wall and uh, like there, it's as though it totally absorbs every little vibration right from the whatever and you go in there and he said the world record of staying in there was the person could only stay 45 minutes right And uh, he said, I'm going to break the world record. I'm going to see if I can stay longer. And uh, he stood there, and the lights went out, of course. And uh, he sat there, and suddenly he could hear sound within his ears, like a tweaking sound. And then he began, after a little bit of time, he could hear his own heartbeat. And then it's as though he could hear the muscles in his joints squirming together, Uh, you know, every little move he could hear, you know, his own body functioning, right? And uh, every excretion could be heard, let's say. The slightest noise was like like a trumpet. But with time, he began to experience this deepest, deepest peace. Maybe in all this life of ours, our, our Lord is, is indeed speaking, but He whispers. And we don't hear Him. We're drowned out by so many things, so many concerns, so many... Just, you know, we drown Him out. Our Lord said, And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words... Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We know the rest, the, the, the Our Father. I don't want to be like one of those who think they are heard because of their many words. Prayer, we know, is not about beautiful speeches and Creative speeches, it's, it's, really, it's really something in which we know how to receive the, the Holy Spirit coming into us. And it's something we have to do every day, in the morning, maybe at the beginning of the day, as we look forward and glance into the future of the day. We can look at all those things with love, with dedication. We can supernaturalize those things. Then in the afternoon, maybe we're still busy, we're still worried, we still have to fit all that stuff in in the evening, we're tired, we still have an assignment to do. Uh, maybe we don't feel like praying. We have to keep at it, we have to be faithful, we have to persevere. We need it. What are my major obstacles in this really decent, rejuvenating? Prayer. What stops me from, from coming out of my prayer truly refreshed, exhilarated, because I've been in contact with the truth about myself, because I've been coming in contact with with our Lord, who forgives me, who has a plan and a mission for me, who tells me that I am loved. Maybe it's distraction and dissipation. We have to see. But if we begin to commit ourselves regularly to, to this time of opening ourselves to God's grace, we are inserting ourselves into the divine orbit. And we are like a planet that that goes around the sun. The sun, which is God. Sometimes we need these kind of booster rockets to keep us in God's orbit. Otherwise, we are pulled down by our own selfishness, or the gravitational pull of your own will, your own worries. And this naturally means we have to go to our Blessed Mother. And just as our Lord appears to us and knows us perfectly, in some mysterious way, our Blessed Mother, she's our mother, so she knows us and intercedes for us as well. Let's ask her for the grace to make this an excellent retreat, time in which we will pray and open ourselves, right, to that gaze, the loving gaze of our Lord who says, I know you, I know all about you, but I love you, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect